New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Michael Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today I'm hosting James Beres. He's been teaching meditation since 1978 and the Awakening Joy class since 2003. Thousands have taken the course. He leads retreats, workshops, and classes in the U.S. and abroad, and is the co-founder of Spirit Rock Meditation Center in Northern California. And he's the author, with Shoshana Alexander, of Awakening Joy, 10 Steps That Will Put You on the Road to Real Happiness. James, welcome to the cafe. Thanks very much, Michael. Good to be here. So, James, as someone who's been traveling the world and doing the work you've been doing for these last, what, 20 years, 30 years? 30 years. 30 years, three three decades, more than three decades. I wonder, from your perspective, from your point of view, in this moment in time, how you see the ever-morphing, ever-changing worldscape. What does Hmm. it look like to you? Wow. Big question. Well, as my good friend Roger Walsh says, uh, it seems like we're in a race between fear and consciousness. And I for one, always feel that consciousness trumps fear. So it's a matter of holding a vision of the possibilities and doing what we can to bring that vision about. Right now, more than ever in recent times, just seeing the realities of this planet, we've got to do something really fast on a global level. I was very moved by uh, Bill McKibben's book, Earth, that kind of shows where we are. And as he says, it's not, oh, well, something down the road might happen. It's yesterday. We're in the process. So I'm an optimist by nature. Anybody who knows me will say that. And we have to hold an optimistic vision because that's what magnetizes others. But the more consciousness and the more love we can connect with instead of our fear or our rage or our anger go underneath it to the place of caring we want to express that well-being and that love of life to help awaken that in others and uh i think there's hope it's the only alternative i see that makes any sense there are some people who, when they look at what's going on in the world, basically are just so overwhelmed that they have the question, what can I, as one individual, what can I do? What would you say to those people? Well, as another teacher of mine, Angelus Arian, says, action absorbs anxiety. And if you just sit there, you know, chewing on your fingernails or saying, oh, what's the point, or throwing in the towel, then you'll just get more stuck in your contraction. But if you find whatever ways work for you to make a difference in the world, to express your caring and express your, your love, then that in itself will not only feel good for you, it's not up to you to rescue the whole world. Nobody can do that. But it's in doing your part and coming from that more expansive place Um, then you also affect everybody around you. And all that's needed 
is for people to see we're all in this together for change to happen, you know, then that's what's needed. And we can all be part of that. You know, of course, there's forces of greed. There's forces that, that have a vested interest that are very powerful in keeping things in the direction that they have seemed to be moving. But if enough people look, look, it can happen any presidential election. If enough people believe in a particular idea, then that can manifest. So to see that as joyous, the joyous service is a great gift to everyone. And I feel that getting in touch with your own love and your own goodness and your own well-being inside is the source of that effective action. So as you're speaking, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like, what about those who basically kind of look and say, joy, joy, I mean, joy, that's a tough word for me. What is joy? And can you talk about that? Sure. Yeah. You know, sometimes people say, joy, I'll take not being miserable today. And they get very skeptical. But really, when I'm talking about awakening joy, I'm talking about awakening all the aliveness and the well-being that we were born with. You look at a baby, and if it's fed and diapered and, and have a little bit of love, what does a baby do? Squeals with delight. That's why we like being around babies, right? We all have that capacity in us. In fact, if you hook somebody up in a neuroscience lab and they are not under stress, that's a big one right there, and their physical needs are taken care of, their brain on the readouts of the machines exhibits calm, consciousness, creativity, caring, and contentment. That's our natural state. So to find ways to access this natural state, not necessarily skipping through a field of daisies, but a sense of well-being and ease and peace, this is what we all want. All of us want to be happy. And so this is just accessing it and activating it and uh, as a gift to the world. There are three principles that you talked about, inclining the mind toward joy and developing increasing wholesome states and focusing on the gladness that arises with wholesome states. Mm -hmm. you talk about those principles? Sure. And these all come from the teachings that I'm familiar with in Buddhist philosophy, principles that I found are cornerstone for well-being and happiness. First, inclining the mind towards joy. There's a, a line by the Buddha, whatever one frequently thinks and ponders upon, that will become the inclination of their mind. So if you frequently think and ponder upon how the world is a drag and everybody's going to disappoint you, you'll get ample evidence to confirm your theory. If you frequently think and ponder upon how the world is amazing, to be alive is amazing, that underneath our facade, we all want to be happy and, and feel safe and express our love, that becomes the way you see the world. And so to keep on inclining your mind towards seeing the goodness in life and the goodness in yourself, not to bury your head in the sand, but to see the goodness that creates a container. And as the neuroscience axiom says, neurons that fire together, wire together. And the more you incline your mind, that happens. Now, inclining it towards happiness, wholesome states are states that are expansive and that open the heart like kindness, love, generosity, all of those states that we know that are very different from 
what are called unwholesome states, hatred, anger, fear, obsession, all of those. So to see that happiness really is about opening our hearts in that way, that's where real happiness is found. And then the third principle, noticing the gladness connected with the wholesome state, that when you're in the middle of a, of a wholesome action, say you're being generous, to say, oh, how good it feels to be generous. There is a gladness that's connected with that. It uplifts the spirit. And to be very present for it, to not miss it, but to really feel the landscape of it deepens the neural connections in the brain, actually, and in the heart. You talked about other supportive practices, and one was quiet time, spending quiet time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're so used to operating on the stimulation of the world and see to really connect, we just turn the lens inward. And that not only recharges our batteries, but gives us a perspective and a clarity about what's really going on. And then you recommend reading the book, How We Choose to Be Happy by Rick Foster and Greg Hicks. That's an excellent book. The different choices that 300 certifiably happy people that they researched make the common denominators. And that was really an inspiration for my book, Awakening Joy. Any inspiration to just remind you what's right inside is effective. You talked about body exercise, like yoga, walking, Mm -hmm. other things. Mm -hmm. If you get out of your head by getting into your body, you're going to just not be lost in your own confusion or your spin cycle. So being in the body, as we all know, just makes us feel more alive and connected to the earth. Regular creative expression, like singing, drawing, writing, dancing. Mm -hmm. And for me, particularly singing is the one that's always been my ultimate resort of therapy. When all else fails, I'll just put on an album that I know backwards and forwards, like I said, driving up here, just sang along to the Beatles' White Album for two hours on the drive. It opens up your throat. It makes you feel alive, whether it's singing, if singing isn't your thing, dancing, or some creative expression. You let life move through you in that creative expression, which we all have. We don't get stuck in our stories. And so there's the joy that comes from just feeling that aliveness. And when it's happening, it's like, we're not thinking, we're just doing it. Out of our head. and Yeah. yeah, And just letting life move us. Yeah. 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 Um, Keeping a journal. Mm -hmm. Particularly if you can use it with gratitude, a little gratitude journal, or just tracking what brought you well-being today, as well as where you got lost or confused, just getting a perspective on things so you're not just running your thoughts in your head, but at the end of a day to just see what really brought you joy or what you're grateful for in your life, you start to orient your radar to look out for what's good, and that makes a huge difference. And no pressure, no guilt, (laughs) just do what works for you. There's no obligation. Yeah, when people hear a chorus, uh-oh, am I going to pass or fail? Or, oh, it's 10 months. Oh, my goodness. You know, I don't know if I have time for that. And so what really is an underlying principle that I can't stress enough, we have enough guilt in our life of things that we haven't done. This is something that you give to yourself. And if you say, 
I don't have time for well-being in my life. I don't have enough time for joy in my life. Well, then maybe you don't have enough time to live your life. And you want to be coming from that place where the best of you comes out. So no guilt, no pressure. You can't do it wrong. No failing. This is just a nourishing experience that you give to yourself. And if you have a hard time giving yourself that gift, think of it as giving everybody else in your life a gift because they will benefit and appreciate from your own well-being. There was a wonderful story you told in the book uh, about caring for the world. And it was about Rose, a physician hmm. who went to Tibet for a month. Can you talk about, tell us that mm -hmm. story? Yeah, she's a physician and a meditation teacher, actually, as well. And she was, you know, doing kind of Doctors Without Borders kind of a, a thing. And seeing the enormity of the suffering that was there with these women who were carrying loads and loads on their head and, uh, and just the amount of suffering was unimaginable. And at some point, it was almost too much. She came back from that trip and did a retreat and she was overwhelmed at first with all the suffering, how to hold all that suffering. Here she was so privileged and living a privileged life. And, and the retreat center that she was at was also, you know, very nice and comfortable. And she said, how can I hold all of this? And she felt like her heart was going to break. And then when she actually let her heart break completely, instead of trying to keep it all inside or sort it out, when her heart broke, it broke open to the enormity of all the caring in her heart and seeing that life has this mysterious quality where everybody has their own journey to unfold. And her job is to just stay in touch with the caring and express it well. So here we are in the last third of 2010. Okay. If we were to fast forward to the year 2020, <laughs> what would you want to see the world be like in 2020? One, I hope by then we'll have woken up to the fact that no one wins in a world run by greed. That would be huge right there. And maybe the wake-up call will be, you know, the landscape of our planet and climate change. But when we see we're all in this together, then everybody wins. That would be pretty big. And to see if the governing principle is understanding that real happiness comes from giving to life instead of taking from life, then that would affect both our relationship to the planet, to each other, and give us some hope that we're heading in the right direction. James, thank you so much for being with us on the Dimensions Cafe. Mm, great to be here. Thanks, Michael. Great being with you. I've been speaking with James Beres. He's the author with Shoshana Alexander of Awakening Joy, 10 Steps That Will Put You on the Road to Real Happiness, published by Bantam Books. And if you'd like more information about the 10-month online course, you can go to the website awakeningjoy.info. That's awakeningjoy.info. You can also get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. Also, the website for James's personal schedule, you can go to James Barras, that's B-A-R-A-Z.com, and you can get there also through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. My name is Michael Toms. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe. 
And please come back again. And don't forget, when you go out there in the world, do something good. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.